It's time for Curious City, WBEZ's news-gathering experiment where we track down answers to your questions about Chicago and the region. Today, we've got an on-the-road edition. We'll answer two questions related to cars. I'm Mickey Capper, and I reported our first story about cars, car radios to be exact. So we got this question from Doug Schenkelberg. Doug listens to radio all the time in his charcoal gray 2010 Toyota Corolla, but he noticed he gets static at a particular corner in downtown Chicago. His question even mentions the specific spot. Why does radio reception always go bad at the intersection of Canal and Van Buren Street? Well, I want to answer Doug's question about radio problems at Canal and Van Buren. Not just for him, but because, hey, we all love radio, right? It's kind of magic, right? Because it's, you're in your car and it's in the air and you don't really think about it all that much until you can't have it anymore. Oh, did I mention that Doug's magical radio experience and the reception problem involves none other than WBEZ Chicago? Anyway, here's how I can help. I did research and talked to radio engineers, and I learned about the usual suspects when it comes to reception problems. I'm going to run through those and see if they apply in Doug's case. Let's start with distance, a radio reception problem you've probably encountered during a road trip. Basically, you drive too far from a broadcast tower and the radio reception slowly starts to stay out because the signal gets weak. But here's the thing. Doug reported a problem at Canal and Van Buren. That's less than two miles from the John Hancock Center where WBEZ blasts its signal. So why is Doug getting static when he's so close to the antenna? There are some clues in the location. It's really close to the old post office building. For some reason in my head, I blame that building. There's no basis for that other than that it's an old, creepy building. There's probably nothing supernatural at work. Instead, there are three problems that can cause static, even when you're close to a broadcast antenna. And these three are shadowing, multipath interference, and other radio stations. Let's take on shadowing. Shadowing is pretty much what it sounds like. Something gets between you and the broadcast antenna, and it effectively makes a radio shadow. I have WBEZ engineer Peter Femel help us out. If you're in the right shadow of a certain building, our signal may have a hard time coming down into that valley. The second problem is called multipath interference. I have to admit, I think the concept of multipath interference is so cool because it happens when a radio signal interferes with itself. That might sound nerdy, but here's what's important. When an antenna broadcasts a signal, that signal moves in all directions. Again, engineer Peter Femel. As a signal uh, propagates through the city, it's bouncing off of different buildings. So even if a signal has a direct path from your radio to the broadcast tower, that signal is also bouncing off of the buildings around you. Sometimes, a bounce signal and the direct signal hit your antenna together. But the bounce signal traveled further, so it's a little bit delayed. Which uh, manifests itself as, you know, it's just some slight static on your radio. Again, you lose reception, even when distance shouldn't be an issue. Okay, the last problem we're going to go over comes from all the other high-powered radio stations in the city. They're near another very high-power RF installation, and that's swamping their radio. Femal says car radios can get confused. If your radio station is weak, some radios will look for the next most powerful signal, even if it's a completely different radio station on another frequency. Okay, so now that we know these three different potential problems, let's see if we can find out what's going on at Doug's Corner. I drive down with Brian Sapp from WBZ's engineering department to Canal and Van Buren, southwest of the Loop, and we listen to the radio. 
while this might not sound especially technical, I've talked to other broadcast engineers, and it turns out that this is a standard way to handle reception complaints. Anyway, at first, the WBEZ signal comes through fine. But when we get to the corner, the signal goes bad. We look around, and it seems like the corner could suffer from all three of these reception problems I mentioned. For starters, Doug's Corner is across downtown Chicago from the Hancock Center. That means there are lots of skyscrapers in between, and that means lots of radio shadows. Then, the corner is right next to the Chicago River, with skyscrapers on either side. Brian points this out to me. Because there are a couple of buildings nearby. I mean, we're going to go right through like a, almost like a, a canyon of sorts. Radio signals can bounce back and forth from building to building in this urban canyon, creating prime conditions for multipath interference. And one more thing, the Willis Tower, a.k.a. the Sears Tower. Yeah, it really does seem like we we're just right behind the Sears Tower. You see, Doug's Corner is right by the Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower. Many high-powered radio stations broadcast from the Willis Tower. Sears Tower. So a confused car radio has lots of other options. In the car we're using, when we listen carefully, we hear Queen coming in from another station. Pick up on this. Oldies, you know. So, Doug, at the corner of Van Buren and Canal, it seems like your radio problem is all of the above. Shadowing from skyscrapers downtown, multi-path from the Chicago River, and other radio stations from the Willis Towers broadcast antennas. The Sears Tower broadcast antennas. With all those issues, unfortunately, there's really not much that can be done. But if you want to enjoy Curious City static-free, you can always subscribe to our podcast. It's at wbez.org slash Curious City. Or you can find it on iTunes. And what's there? Why not write a review? Mickey? Mickey? I think we lost Mickey Capper. Well, you can see the interactive maps he made of radio reception at wbez.org slash Curious City. I'm Odette Youssef, and I've got our next story about cars, taxis in particular. We got the question back in August, and it sounded pretty straightforward. My name is Dan Monahan, and... My question is, how often are taxis pulled over, and what's their most common offense? It turns out finding Chicago taxis' most common offense is anything but straightforward. Dan and I took to the streets, and I followed up with stats and taxi records. So now, here's a phone wrap-up I did with Dan, where I laid out what we learned. So, Dan, we kind of got an answer for you, and also we kind of didn't. Do you remember the cab driver, Karim Ozkaya? How you doing? Hi, how are you? He's the one who opened up to us for like 20 minutes, right? Yeah, and he talked a lot about cab karma, how he felt like if he was courteous on the roads, he'd reap rewards of that later. That's right, yeah. He kind of had a reason to say that. I think I'm the legend in cab drivers because I got pulled over by police 25 times in two years. But I just have one ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that now? Ozkaya told us that some of the things that he would get pulled over for were speeding on Lakeshore Drive or not stopping fully at a stop sign. So I wanted to check, does the data match up with what he told us? And it turns out that it might. I requested data on all tickets that the Circuit Court of Cook County adjudicated for cab drivers in 2012. So, Dan, we're talking about tickets that would have been written up by police who would be pulling people over for moving violations. Any guesses on what the top two reasons for pulling people over that year were? Well, what I assumed it would be would be speeding and reckless driving. Yeah, you're not far off. It's speeding and it's disregarding stop signs or red lights. So in 2012, 
that court handled about 7,300 tickets that were issued to cab drivers. Wow. There's about 7,000 cabs in Chicago. So that actually comes out to about one ticket per cab. So Karamoskaya was running the average for his tickets. But I think in asking this question, you were trying to reconcile things that you observed. You saw lots of cab drivers driving dangerously and not getting pulled over. Is that right? Right. Have you ever called 311 to report a cab? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, if you did that in 2012, you were among 13 to 14,000 calls that the city received about cabs. And more than half of those that year were to report reckless driving. But here's the thing. Less than 5% of those complaints that year ended up with citations to those cab drivers. That's because often people who call 311 don't remember the cab number that they're calling to complain about, or they don't follow through with a complaint. But when they do, those citations end up with the city's Department of Administrative Hearings. Now, I wasn't able to get complete data from that department, but they told me the top two citations they see are for reckless driving and also for discourteous conduct. Now, that surprised me. So I asked James Mueller about it. Mueller used to work with the city, and he wrote a lot of the rules that govern the taxi industry today. After he retired, he actually hopped the fence and started representing cab drivers when they were fighting citations. This is what he said. The city will tell them on a reckless driving, if you plead guilty, I'll amend the charge from reckless driving to general, you know, simple discourteous conduct and offer a relatively low fine. So what do you think of that, Dan? I wonder, like, what incentive does the city have to cut them that deal? Why is that typical? Well, here's what James Mueller said. You know, it's more efficient for the city to handle all of those cases. You've got all of these guilty pleas. you got all of this money coming in. And, you know, that's the way it works. We can't tell you how many times they start with a charge of reckless driving that ends up getting knocked down to a lesser charge of discourteous conduct. But let's go back to the other drivers that we spoke to. I want to remind you of the guy named Al Smith. He was the really chatty one who reamed us for taking jazz off of WBEZ. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I just had to file for bankruptcy for an inordinate amount of parking tickets. And I I seem to remember it felt like the city was picking on him almost. They're using this ticketing system to generate dollars. And maybe I'm overstepping my opinion per se, but it's not just me. I don't don't take it personal. I I have to pay. In 2012, Chicago issued 28,627 tickets for parking-related violations to taxis. That's wild. So, Dan, you asked how often taxis are pulled over and what's their most common offense. The answer is taxis are pulled over more than other passenger cars, but it's hard to say how much. It mostly seems to be for parking and red light camera tickets. But when it comes to reckless driving, they're not always written up, and when they are— the charges are often downgraded, so we can't say for sure what their most common offenses actually are. Still, there's plenty we did find out. We've got charts, a video, and more taxicab confessions at wbez.org slash Curious City. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. The stories you heard in this episode were reported by Mickey Capper and me, Odette Youssef. 
Curious City is produced by WBEZ and AIR, with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City is also made possible by all the cab drivers we spoke to for this story, like Al Smith. We thank him and all of you who are still loyal listeners, even after jazz on WBEZ went away. The jazz, the jazz was signature evening Chicago. I am forever incensed that they took off the jazz at night.